0: Welcome to episode 62. This podcast is a solo episode and I'm going to be talking with you about my business journey, I guess, which isn't really something that comes out of my mouth a lot. It's not often that I reflect upon or... Converse about my business journey. It's a funny thing to say out loud, but interviewing other people does make me a little bit curious and reflect a bit upon, I guess, what I was like as a child and then also the things that I've done, the different jobs I've had, and how I've ended up here. And when I say ended up here, it's kind of even a weird thing to explain. Well, not a weird thing, but I feel like I wear a lot of different hats. And I love that and I would definitely consider myself to be someone who is multi-passionate and has created a life that they really, really enjoy in terms of ticking boxes with creativity and also just being able to have a lifestyle that I enjoy, which has meant for me being able to prioritize being with the kids as much as possible and also never, ever dreading waking up and having to face a work day and a work day for me doesn't often look the same in terms of tasks that I'm doing but it is often working from home and working from a computer. So I'll talk a little bit more about what work is for me now once I get to I guess kind of you know, I'll go through a little bit more with you. And then at the end of this work business journey thing, (laughs) I'll touch more about what I actually do. But to start with, I thought I would speak with you a little bit about what I was like as a child, because I'm always so interested when I speak to other guests to know more about their upbringing. So for context, I am one of three girls. I have a sister who is older than me by two years and then a sister who is four and a half years younger than me. I grew up um, in the Brisbane-ish area or the Bayside, Alexandra Hills to be more specific for those who know the area. And growing up, my dad owned a convenience store which was located in Holland Park and so I had lots of afternoons after school spent at dad's convenience store or over the weekend. When I say lots, I could be wrong. A child's memory is often different to how things actually were. But I definitely have very strong, clear memories of going to dad's shop after school and and thinking it was just the coolest thing ever that my dad had a shop and that I could have unlimited slush puppies, which PS, I was all about the non-flavored slush puppy. So just the glucose water (laughs) ice combo without any syrup. Um, I also can have Vivid memories of just raiding the lolly aisle, eating lots of Freddo frogs, and also a there was like a sweet that was like licorice that you dipped into sherbet. I have no idea if it still exists, and things that were called flying sauces, which were kind of I was almost gonna say plasticky, but like a they're not plastic because you eat them, although maybe they are, who knows? Some sort of dissolvable oval shape filled with sherbet again I think. So lots of junk food was eaten. I can remember eating hot pies and just thinking it was really cool that I got to go out the back of his shop and sit behind the counter and I observed my dad serving people and anyone who meets my dad will always say how lovely he is. He's personable. He's a sort of person that calls you darling straight away, um, which we've always kind of given him a hard time about because everything's, oh, thanks, darling, to strangers and whatnot. But he definitely has charisma and had charisma and I can remember thinking that people just liked him. And so he had his regular customers who would come in and of course they would come in for whatever it is they're purchasing, probably a lot of cigarettes (laughs) back in the day. Um, But they would also come in because they liked him as well. And my great-grandma and also my nana both worked in the store, if I remember correctly. Now I haven't cross-checked the timeline with my parents and my dad probably wouldn't even really remember exactly but I also know that growing up it was really common for him to work two jobs so he might have the convenience store and then be working a night shift job as well somewhere else and I really I can't recall whether his night shift work which was at a bottle shop, overlapped with owning the convenience store or whether that happened after he'd sold the convenience store. But there were definite times in my life when he had two jobs and there were definite times in my life when my mum had two jobs as well. So obviously they owned the convenience store together. My parents remained married until a couple of years ago. So my whole childhood, they were a unit. And as I said, it was common for them to both have two jobs so they might both work in the convenience store and then my mum worked in retail but she would also work cleaning houses. Again I'm murky on the details because when you're a kid you're just so focused on your own self and so I can't recall whether she was contracting for a cleaning company and I just haven't cross-checked any of the details but from my memory really common for them to both have two jobs which upon reflection makes me very aware of the fact that it's always been very normal for me to work quite hard and to see that and to also understand that a job isn't necessarily going to be Monday to Friday, nine to five. When we were young, my mum also did night shift, night fill work in retail so that she could be with us throughout the day. My parents had us very, very young, um, but they both definitely worked very, very hard. I can't remember how old I was when mum and dad sold the convenience store but my dad then went into a sales role, a sales representative role which suited him because he has the gift of the gab, could sell ice to to Eskimos, all that sort of stuff. He's very good at remembering people and making people feel seen, I observed as a child And my mum stayed in retail and worked her way up there. But yeah, as I mentioned, it was normal for them not to have a nine to five kind of job in a lot of, in a lot of senses. So there were times when my mum would have to work weekends and they would tag team, you know, so dad would, mum might pick us up from school and then dad would get home from work and dad would take over and do the dinner and then mum would be out the door and go to work. Uh, which I think now as an adult probably translates into the fact that it was never really a problem for me when Matt was working shift work because that was quite normal. It wasn't against the grain for me and also for me, you know, the fact that sometimes when I put the boys down to bed at night, I will sit up and do a couple of hours of work. That doesn't seem like a foreign concept to me, so it might all be interwoven there I can clearly remember a couple of things, I guess, that you might consider to be somewhat entrepreneurial traits as a child. And again, I don't know if these are things that every child does, but it's in talking to guests that I can see a bit of a thread throughout some people's childhoods. So I can remember having my parents having garage sales and me selling my things as well. I can remember very, very clearly my great grandma, my Nana Bon, who I won't even go down the path, but she was just beautiful, just this beautiful, beautiful woman in my childhood. And I can remember very, very clearly my mum and my dad having a garage sale, and she sold my Barbie Dream house for forty dollars and I can remember just thinking, Ah, oh, that's kind of cool, something that I've not played with in a long time could be sold on, and that probably stuck with well, it obviously has stuck with me because it's a memory that I can clearly, clearly remember. I also know that throughout my childhood, it was really normal for my sisters and I to go and knock on people's doors and offer to wash their cars for like $4 a pop. And not just even my sisters, I think that probably towards grade six, seven, eight, nine. Doing it with friends as well, they would come over and we'd spend, you know, two or three hours going and knocking on people's doors with our bucket and our sponge, offering to wash cars for $4 and then getting all of that money at the end of the hours and just going straight to the shops and spending it on rubbish, on junk food. But it was that recognition of, okay, I can provide a service and be remunerated for that service, obviously. When I was in grade five, our family moved from Alexandra Hills to Redland Bay and we moved to a brand new estate. It's called Orchard Beach. And when we moved in, it literally was an orchard. (laughs) Uh, There were avocado trees, custard apple trees. uh, What else was there? Citrus fruit trees. But we would often, my sisters and I, go and collect fruit I'm sure this is illegal. We shouldn't have been doing it because it was obviously private property. But we would pick custard apples and set up stalls and on-sell them. And there were days where it was so hot, but we would stick it out and we would move the stall around. You know, I can remember vividly thinking about where to position the stall so that cars would drive past and have to drive straight past. And I wasn't afraid to pick up the sign and wave the sign and get people's attention. So that's a that was a big part of childhood was having our little fruit stalls. I can't recall if we ever went door to door with fruit, but there were definitely a lot of hours clocked trying to flog other people's fruit. It was also really common that at the weekend as a family, we would go to markets and all sorts of markets, sometimes markets that were selling new wares and sometimes markets that were selling, you know, like your flea market style selling all of the junk that they didn't want. There were definitely times throughout my teens where my sisters and I would have stalls at markets trying to on-sell things as well that way. So there was definitely a thread throughout my childhood of really understanding that I could provide a service or a product and sell it. And noticing the salesmanship of my dad as well in terms of engaging with people and having that customer service always at the forefront, I guess, um, probably didn't hurt either. And as I mentioned, my mum worked in retail as well, which, of course, there's a massive level of service and presentation that goes into that as well. Growing up, I always did... Different sorts of dancing. From a very young age, I did jazz ballet, and then there would be periods in my life where I would stop altogether and then I would pick it back up. I did gymnastics and things like that. I can remember always being very interested in acting and (laughs) very, very amateur modeling, which is probably a whole other podcast because it's something now in my 30s that when I look back on that, I just think, holy moly how did my parents (laughs) and of course they were just doing the best that they could at the time and you know it was definitely what I wanted to do but there were so many instances that I look back now and I just think wow that's really not good for kids to do things such as going in modeling competitions as a young child I just don't think it's a good vibe. I don't think it's a good idea. And I can see how that's shaped certain parts of my personality and identity as well. But again, perhaps another podcast for another time, maybe when I have (laughs) a psychologist on hand. But anyway, so there were times that I did dance performances some of them were paid I did modeling jobs I was in a short film I went for auditions for tv commercials I did acting workshops and all of those things whilst I do think that there are some negative implications to them I can also see that they had some positives as well in terms of thinking fast thinking on my feet being confident even when i don't necessarily feel confident inside which is a skill that i still get commended on when i speak at an event nowadays i'll have people say to me oh you came across really well or you didn't seem nervous or i or if i say i'm nervous people say oh wow it doesn't appear that you are and i do have that ability to feel really nervy on the inside but kind of flick a switch and turn on I guess and go and for lack of a better expression perform and that's because I think of that training that I had growing up amongst other things as well so yeah like I said whilst I think there are definite negative downsides to it there are obviously positives as well I continued working kind of in that space. I say working with air quotes because it was more of a hobby that my parents allowed me to pursue throughout high school. At high school, I would say actually throughout my whole schooling career in primary school as well, I was a bit awkward. I was a bit anxious. I definitely was worried about what people thought of me. I would really get very, very nervous about going to school. I hated leaving my parents and, you know, again, these are all themes that I could probably probably explore in a more in-depth podcast but just to paint a picture, I guess. When I was dancing and acting and going to auditions and things like that, I felt like one person and then at school I felt like a completely different person altogether. I was very introverted, very shy at school, very, very, very unsure of myself. I had a group of girlfriends. I wouldn't say that I was a popular kid and I wouldn't say that I was unpopular. I would say that I went very, very much under the radar And then as I said when I would be performing it was kind of like a completely different person and I can remember very clearly throughout high school having instances where I would be performing at a local fair or a fete or just in a shopping centre or whatever and people not realising that I went to their school as well. And I think maybe a really clear example of this would be at high school I never had maybe once like a boyfriend from my high school maybe in like grade eight or nine when having a boyfriend for me was you'd see them at the school gate and be too shy to even really talk to them and you'd go the other way but so throughout school when a lot of what seemed like a lot of people were having boyfriends and girlfriends and a lot of girls were exploring that I never had a boyfriend at school. I would have little crushes on people. But outside of school, I would have older boyfriends. So... I yeah again these are other topics but I just wanted to paint a picture that at school I was definitely flying under the radar but kind of having this other side of myself where I could explore and be a bit more confident outside those confines of being worried about other people's judgments so I guess it was like being able to put a mask on and explore a little bit I I wouldn't say I was an overly academic student at all and I really wasn't clear upon what I wanted to do once I finished school I think a lot of my academic I wouldn't say struggles because I passed everything but I just wasn't I wasn't the kid that loved to study I didn't love to learn it didn't excite me and I think a lot of it came from being nervous I can remember being so, so nervous at the thought of a teacher asking me a question and me not knowing the answer. It even made me nervous when you had to just go around the room and introduce yourself. And I don't know if anyone, I'm sure other people can relate, but having that constant fear of not knowing the answer and feeling like you're inadequate makes it really hard to feel safe enough to learn. And it hasn't been until I'm an adult that I've learned that I just don't learn from people talking at me. I need to rewrite things. I need to think about them. I need to see it in practice. I'm much more a practical visual learner than I am just having someone tell me a fact and being able to recall it and remember it or even apply it. I would say that the topic or the subject I struggled the most with was math and I had a math tutor for a lot of years in high school to get me through and again I think it really came down to the fact that I just needed to be taught a different way and I do think nowadays teachers have so much more awareness upon the fact that different kids learn in different ways so that's a really really big positive I enjoyed English because I always loved to read and I did love to write, and I felt as though I had a bit of a flair for writing. And I think that probably comes back to the fact that I was always reading as a child. But I can remember really clearly having an English teacher who I feel did me a bit of a disservice. I can still remember her name. Again, these are like moments of impact Impact that she would have no idea about but really impacted me. The class was having a conversation about what we wanted to do as a career when we left school and at this stage I was in the audition space, I was going for short films, I'd been in a short film that had won the Australian Fast Film Festival with like a little bit of a, um, I guess a D-grade celebrity and it was quite a process to get through the audition The auditions for that. So I was feeling like, you know, quite worldly. Here I am in grade 10, and I've done a short film. I know what I'm talking about. And I can remember saying to the class and to the teacher that a job that I potentially wanted to do was to be a casting director when I left school. And she literally rolled her eyes. And I can remember she had a folder in her hand and she brought the folder down to like the top of her thighs. And like, it was like one of those big emphatic, like, oh, like for fuck's sake kind of size. And she said, okay, I think we need to be thinking a little more realistic casting director, casting director. How does one even become a casting director? Let's get back to basics and kind of just, it was such a deflating moment for me that I can so remember. I remember what she was wearing. I just remember the feeling washing over me of going, oh, okay. So that's not really something that someone from the Redlands grows up to be. Got it. And around grade 10, I was really fast losing interest in school. And now both of my parents had left school early as I think, you know, a lot of people, I'm 33 in June and a lot of us in this age group, our parents might not have finished high school. It was really common to leave school earlier as long as you had a job. And so my parents were completely fine, completely open to me. It was the way that I understood it. If I wanted to leave school, they were fine with that as long as I had a job to go to. And again, another topic that I definitely want to explore in a podcast again probably with a psychologist, is the roles that we play in our family and I never felt as though my role aligned with being the academic one. And so it became clear to me that if I wanted to leave school, which I really felt I definitely don't want to be here, I'm not enjoying it, I need to get a job. And so I was continuing on auditions and performing, I was being paid a little bit of money to teach little kids dance which was so fun. I was never a qualified instructor or teacher, but where I was dancing, they had put me on just on a Saturday. And that was so fun. Like I just love teaching the little kids. I I was always drawn to little ones from about 2 to 4. I just really really enjoy that age group and even now that's my absolute favorite age. And so I was doing that and dabbling in other jobs as well. So You know, my older sister from the age that she could work, she had worked in retail, she worked at the local bakery, she'd done those kinds of jobs and I dabbled. I remember I waitressed once at a Chinese restaurant and hated it. I never went back, not even to get my money. I was like, I'm not, I'm not setting foot back there. They can take it. I can remember them calling and saying, come and collect your wage, like it's fine if you don't want to continue, but come and at least get the money that we owe you for that night. I was like, that's okay, no problems, you keep it. It was just such a chaotic environment and I know some people thrive in that, but I can remember being stood at the back of this Chinese restaurant and there was ducks strung up and all sorts of seafood everywhere and just people shouting and it was just so fast paced that I could not get my head around it. I was also working as a tea and tidy at a hair salon in Cleveland, which was called Hair Flare. (laughs) And tea and tidy, for those of you who don't know what that is, it's basically the person that makes the tea, coffee and sweeps the floor, learns to wash hair, answer the phone, all of that stuff. And I enjoyed that. I really, really liked that because the women in the salon were really lovely. The clients were lovely. I felt successful. I enjoyed it. I felt like I did a good job and I really did like the vanity of the industry. I liked seeing what everyone was wearing to work. I liked being in front of a mirror all day. Oh gosh, yuck, saying that out loud. But I did. I liked getting dressed each day, which you know what, I laugh and I say yuck, but I'm still the same now. I still like to get dressed each day. Growing up as well, my dad had always planted the seed that I would be a great flight attendant. And again, this, we could have a big chat and I will do an episode about roles we play in families. Sorry to keep coming back to that, but It just kind of makes me shudder a bit. But yeah, my dad had always said he'll be a great flight attendant. And now whether or not he thought that was just based solely off the fact that I like to be presentable or that he wanted staff travel, (laughs) it's neither here nor there. But I was too young to be a flight attendant at that stage. So I was doing the tea and tidy thing and it got to a point where I really wanted to leave school. And funnily enough, I was having half days off school anyway because the agency that I was booking other work through was also running deportment courses for other local high schools. So I would be leaving my high school to go to the agency, get dressed and go into other high schools and teach other students the same age as me about going for auditions and things like that. So it was just this kind of weird paradigm of feeling like I didn't really belong in the scape. And so long story short, my parents were fine with me leaving as long as I had a job to go to. What sort of job did I want to go to? Really wasn't sure other than the fact that I quite enjoyed doing the tea and tidy work. My grandmother also owned a hair salon at the time at Forest Lake. So for those of you who know Brisbane well, so I lived in the Redlands. My grandma's salon was at Forest Lake. It's about a 45, 50-minute transit each way. So, you know, a fair distance when you don't have a license but I went and worked a couple of Saturdays at grandma's salon and it was a big step up from the little hair flare salon I'd worked at in Cleveland. There were far more cutting stations, there were far more stuff, it was in a busy shopping centre whereas the other salon was kind of a standalone tucked away, more like an old lady kind of salon and my grandma's was definitely very much a colour salon and a far salon and a big variety of you know, all sorts of clients because it was in a very busy shopping center and it was the only salon really at the time. And I loved it. I loved the buzz. I also probably loved the little bit of neptism that came along with the fact that my grandma owned the business. My cousin worked there as well. And the women that worked in that salon were very, very maternal towards me. And I loved that. There were women in their 40s who really took me under their wing and looked after me. And there were women in their early 20s who at that stage just seemed so cool to me because I was only 15 or 16. And I just, I enjoyed that environment. And so I made the decision after working there for a couple of weeks that I wanted to be a hairdresser. And without very much fuss at all, I left school. I can remember one day just walking out of school early. I had sent my mum a text message and say, I'm going to walk to the local shops and we met at a coffee shop there and I just remember that was like the last day of school. It wasn't a big deal. There was an, I literally left school early, said see you later to a couple of people in class and walked out the doors and never went back and walked straight into a hairdressing apprenticeship. And I've never spoken about the fact that I am a qualified hairdresser. I've never ever spoken about that. I think that it's just one of those things that I've kind of tucked away, I guess. Um, There probably are a couple of other reasons why I haven't spoken about it. I guess there is a fear of feeling less than, which is awful because no hairdresser should feel less than. Hairdressing is one of the hardest jobs. But I guess to be Be bold and say, Look, I have a really successful business now, but I never finished high school is something that I've just never ever owned. But that is the fact. I didn't finish high school, but I am a qualified hairdresser. And hairdressing taught me so much. My gosh, it taught me more than I could list out here the importance of putting in a really hard day's work. I feel like hairdressers are one of the hardest working and lowest paid trades there is. 12-hour days were completely normal with very, very minimal breaks. I still to this day eat incredibly fast and I credit that to the fact that there would be, you know, three or four of us hairdressers squished like little sardines in the back room that was the size of a single toilet space like a very small back room you could hardly rotate in it if you had your handbag over your shoulder and there would be three or four of us crammed in the back just trying to quickly shove food in our face in between clients or while colors were processing I just learned so much long days hustling molding to people in terms of at the end of a day as a hairdresser you have worn so many different hats You will find yourself tapping into one side of your personality to appease a client and then you tap into another side to appease another client. You kind of regulate and modulate to suit so many different conversations. You also learn the art of conversation really, really quickly and also reading people's body language as well is so important not to mention other sides of the business like making sales, how services add up, inventory, stock ordering, tidying. I can remember to this day one of the one of the hairdressers saying to me, "You need to take some pride in how you fold your towels." And even now, like just yesterday I was folding laundry and I was thinking back to that I can remember D was her name, is her name, saying to me, hey, you need to take a bit of pride in how you're folding those towels because when you're 16 and your job is to fold towels, you kind of just go, oh, yeah, whatever, whack them in a bunch and move on. But actually taking a moment to go, oh, yeah, you're right, I could make them look a little bit nicer. So there was pride in presentation, also in systems, in understanding that when you arrive to... You know, when I arrived to work, I opened the doors like this, then I would sterilize the combs like that, and then it was get the float, fill the tilt, like there were systems to follow, and if you didn't follow those systems, they would have a flow-on effect to the other people in the team, I guess. I was never big on team sports, <laughs> never played netball or anything like that, but I definitely felt like an integral part of the team at that salon and so I went on to finish my apprenticeship so that involved working in the salon full-time whilst my high school friends were still finishing school it also wasn't a free ride because my grandma whilst she's incredible still one of my most favorite people ever she's not (laughs) I don't know whether she'll listen to this she has Instagram um I would not say she's a maternal soft. She was not a maternal or soft grandma throughout my childhood. She's much more maternal now, but there was no free ride. You know, I wasn't allowed the week off to go to schoolies because I'd made my bed and I had to lay in it. I wanted to be a big girl and have a full-time job. She wasn't going to give me time off. I went to a formal as a date and I didn't get the day off. If I wanted to be a big girl and leave school. That meant that I didn't get to take a Saturday off so that I could go to someone's formal. It meant I worked right up until finish time and then threw on a formal dress and went from there, which at the time I remember thinking, holy fuck, like my grandma's mean. She's not letting me have this time off. But now I'm so grateful for that because there are plenty of times when I have to face the big girl stuff. And there are times when I avoid it and delay it. But There are also so many times in life where I'm so grateful for that because she taught me when you make a choice, you're also making a choice for a consequence. And I loved my salon days. My dad also committed to dropping me to Forest Lake and also picking me up as well, which he still reminds me of right now. I'm babysitting his dogs. And he's like, that's nothing. Remember how I did four years of dropping you to and from Forest Lake? And when you're a teenager, you're just not grateful for it. You're aware, you know, you know that it's probably a bit of a pain, but you just don't have the concept of how much your parents are doing for you. And they definitely did a lot for me. So loved my salon time, learned a lot, made great friends. I my whole world kind of expanded I guess from there. I also wasn't really able to keep doing auditions or stay involved with any sort of agency work because I was working a full-time job and also going to hairdressing college as well. I started off at TAFE for hairdressing and that choice was because my boyfriend at the time went to Alex Hills High, the local school next to the TAFE. So that informed why I wanted to do part of my apprenticeship at TAFE. And again, that was a whole other education because I'd never been in that dynamic where you could call teachers by their first name and it was up to you to show up and really show up. And then uh, once my boyfriend finished high school, I decided I wanted to do my training through a private training facility and I did it through matters in gray at Matt cravat for anyone who knows that and I loved that as well throughout hairdressing I never really enjoyed cutting though I mean I would enjoy cutting ladies hair as long as I was doing the color as well color definitely had my heart color and styling and still to this day I could easily do foils and yeah I just enjoy enjoyed I guess the instant result of colouring people's hair and I seemed to understand the technical back end of colouring far easier than I did with cutting. But anyway, after I finished my apprenticeship, I wanted to move to the Gold Coast and I changed. I left the salon that my grandma owned and I went to a chain of salons on the Gold Coast which were really, really high end and... Again, it was young. I think I must have been 19-ish, maybe even just shy of turning 19 because I finished my apprenticeship quite quickly. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is where this is where it's at. These are salons that have all of the fanciest stuff. They were a definite aesthetic upgrade. And in terms of price point, it was just a high-end salon. And I can remember thinking when I got the job, oh, like I've really made it as a hairdresser. And then about two weeks into it, I realized how much I hated it. I absolutely hated working for that chain. They were mean. (laughs) They felt like the women that worked in the salon were mean. It was a much younger group of women. There was so much bitchiness, so much cattiness, so much pressure to sell, like a lot of pressure to sell expensive products when I was already when the services being provided were already expensive, it was just a whole other, a whole other dynamic that I didn't enjoy at all. And it was during that time that a client would come in once a week for her blow dry, and she was a flight attendant. And she would often come in in her uniform, and I would talk to her and say, "Oh, my dad always said I should be a flight attendant, but I, you know, I've always been too young. But now that I'm over eighteen, perhaps I should." And I can remember one day she handed me a piece of paper and said, look, the applications are open. I think that you really should apply if this is something you've always wanted to do. And so I submitted an application to become a flight attendant. Didn't hear anything back. Not for ages. And whilst not hearing anything back, it got to the point with that salon that I just wanted to leave. I was having really bad anxiety about going to work. I just wasn't enjoying the dynamic at those salons the boss scared me the girls the women that work there scared me I didn't want to be in it and I walked out one day just got to the point where I was feeling very very bullied and ganged up on and I was like I'm not doing this anymore and walked out and I walked into a job in a completely opposite end of the spectrum type salon like I'm talking like your eight dollar haircut type salons in a completely different socio-economic suburb And I worked there and the women were so much nicer and the clients were nicer and it was fine. And again, it taught me, it taught me more things, I guess, because I really learned that you can have the fanciest of stuff, but if you're not a nice person, it doesn't mean anything. And that's something that I think has stuck with me. And so I worked there and it was during my time working there and the boss was lovely, someone that I could talk to and I would get circulated between all of their salons. And it was during my time there that I got the call up to go to the interview for Qantas to be a flight attendant. And so I went along to the group interview, uh, progressed through and long story short, not a long story short because this is a long podcast and it's only part one, I got the job and found out that I was going to be a flight attendant and this is classic me if you know me you'll be like yep that sounds exactly like Kylie I was so excited to get the job beyond excited the thought of going to Sydney for ground school and everything the uniforms and I'd been given the guidebook and I loved it I just was so excited I had no idea what the training would entail but I was all in. And I can remember on my first day of training, turning up and being walked out to the aircraft and going, what the actual fuck? I was a flight attendant. I had gotten a job. I was starting ground school to be a flight attendant on Dash 8 aircrafts, the smallest aircrafts. Like I'm talking propeller, tiny aircrafts, like very little. The first one that we stepped on, seated still seats only 36 passengers so when I was a hairdresser on the coast I was talking to the flight attendant it didn't dawn on me to ask her whether what sort of aircraft she flew on I knew that she wasn't an international flight attendant but she was I just assumed a domestic one I didn't realize she was a regional flight attendant and so I had gone through the process and not even noticed that it wasn't just Qantas that I was applying for. It was Qantas Link, which is the small aircrafts, the regional flight attendant. So I I just remember standing on the aircraft and going, oh, classic me. I've gotten all this way to accepting the job without even really understanding or noticing or paying attention to <laughs> the fact that I'm not going to be on the jets But I was fine. It didn't bother me at all. I was happy with that. And I thought, oh, well, if I want to progress, not even progress, because I definitely wouldn't say it's any better then. But if I want to end up on the bigger flights, on the bigger aircrafts, I'll get there one day. And so I started ground school for QantasLink. And at that stage, I was, I'm just, I want to say just shy of 20 and one of the youngest flight attendants that they brought on at that time it seemed like a lot of them were a bit older and there was two of us in that ground school who were within that kind of age group of 19 20 and it was fun ground school was fun it was definitely tougher than i thought um, there's so much that goes into it so much more than i had any awareness surrounding and i remember thinking oh this is hard like the tests are hard the first aid side of it, the medical side of it, the emergency procedure side of it, getting my head around that. And also because I did still have that natural predisposition and still do to be nervous when I'm feeling as though I'm tested. So I found ground school tricky, but it was also really exciting. It was exciting to go down to Sydney and mingle with new people and be part of this whole new world. And so, I will finish up part one of this podcast here with me having gotten my job as a flight attendant and I will record part two very, very soon. So stay tuned for that one. If you're enjoying my long spiel um, let me know. Take a screenshot, pop it on your stories or leave a comment on my post. I really, really, really appreciate it. I know it's tempting to send a direct message if you don't want your comment to be seen. But honestly, my direct messages are so, so, so backed up. I'm going to need a full week to get through them all. So I would appreciate it if you do. Let me know if you're enjoying this episode by leaving a comment. means a lot to me or like I said, posting on your stories and keep an eye out for part 2.